Plundergrounds, Plundergrounds, welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go. Fantasy and dungeon delve, science fiction, watch yourselves. Hi everybody, I'm Ray Otis, and it's time for another Plundergrounds. <laughs> I am sitting in my car in San Diego in the rain, I hope you can hear it. So relaxing. I love the rain. We don't get it much here in San Diego, but it has been kind of a wet winter. I want to talk about a topic today that might actually annoy some of you. Um, Magic the Gathering. Now, before you turn off the podcast, let me just explain two things. One, this will not cost you any money. And two, I'm not going to use the Magic the Gathering cards to play Magic or talk about that. I'm going to talk about using Magic the Gathering cards as inspiration for... Um, your role-playing games in two different ways. And I took these ideas from, uh, I guess you'd call it a magazine, a little mobile application slash magazine that Wizards puts out called Dragon Plus. That's Dragon and the plus symbol, not P-L-U-S. It's free, so you don't have to pay anything for the app, and you don't have to pay anything to subscribe. It's just a nice little news feed that they put out, and it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So um, I got an episode recently, I think it was when they put out Ravnica, Um, or an issue, I guess you'd call it, and I dug into that, and there was a guy there who opened up a pack of cards and built a little scenario for role-playing off of it. I love that idea. So then um, I cross-referenced that with an earlier article where they used uh, magic cards as a scroll. So let me explain both of those. Okay, let me start by saying that both of these ideas require you to have some Magic the Gathering cards on hand. Now, You don't have to go out and spend money on these. The first one especially actually requires a booster pack of 15 cards, 14 if you take out the land, Um, but you don't need to go spend money on that. And the second one requires a bunch of commons or whatever cards you might have on hand, Um, and you don't have to go spend money on that either, and here's the reason why. There is a pack generator online for practicing uh, building decks off of sealed cards, and I'll put the link to that in the show notes, but I just go in there and set it to generate one pack of cards, or if you want more, you can have it generate more, um, and you can choose the set it generates from, and then it'll give you nice images of all the cards, and you can do it right there at your computer or on your phone for free. So um, I'm not requiring you to spend any money on Magic cards. I do love Magic the Gathering, by the way. I think it's a great game. Uh, there are many annoying factors to it. Um, there's a lot of annoying players. There's some annoying behavior that goes with the tournament scene and play. Um, I play out of a cube with my son, which is a, a, a good cost-efficient way to play, and I like to teach people how to play, but I'm not going to try to push you down that path. Um, I just want to talk about Magic the Gathering cards as a cool tool for creativity. The first one we're going to do is we're going to crack open a pack of Magic cards and try to build a scenario off of them. Now, I use the online generator too, so you're not going to hear me actually busting open a pack of cards. Um, I couldn't wait. I really wanted to go buy a pack of cards and do it, but I was so excited about doing it, I just wanted to do it right there when I thought about it. And I set the uh, deck to be or the, the card set to be uh, Magic 19 or M19, which is a core set, because I didn't want a lot of baked-in flavor for this one. I'm designing a scenario, so I felt like it was almost cheating to use Ravnica or one of the other sets where there's a lot of flavor built in, um, and so I just used M19. The thing we're going to focus on here are uh, three elements of a card. You can ignore most of the card. You're going to look at the title in the upper left-hand corner, because that's a bit of flavor text. Um, 
and then you're going to look at the picture, mostly the picture, honestly, and then you're going to look at uh, possibly the italicized text, if there is any, at the bottom of the card, which is going to be one of two things. It's either going to explain a rule, which you don't care about if that's what it is, or it's going to be what they call flavor text, which has a bit of fiction to it. And we're concentrating on those titles, the pictures, and the fiction as uh, inspiration points. So I open up a pack, and um, here's what I put together out of that pack. And literally, I did this in like, I don't know, uh, probably less than five minutes, right? So it'd be a great, quick way to, to generate a uh, potential scenario. Uh, the first thing I noticed was I got this really cool land card. It's a dual land card. Um, they call them, um, I forget, they, uh, they're not pain lands because, well, they have, they have fancy names for all these. But this one just says, um, it enters the battlefield tapped. And uh, when you untap it on your next turn, essentially, you can tap it to get green or black mana out of it. So it's supposed to represent a swamp and a forest kind of colliding into each other. And it's called Foul Orchard. The flavor text says, The stench of rotting meat lures flies, goblins, and young raptors. And the picture has a bunch of carnivorous, spiky-looking plants in a mist-enshrouded swamp. So I really like that idea as a starting point. That's going to be my land. Uh, it's both fertile and fetid at the same time. So there's this kind of uh, quasi-evil, um, rank, uh, expansive swamp that we're going to start with, the Foul Orchard. Um, and the Foul Orchard is what the people of the land call it. It's kind of a joke. Uh, it's not like it bears any fruit. Um, well, it doesn't bear any edible fruit. It bears fruit of a more evil kind. Because the next card I picked was Open the Graves. And uh, this is the rare of the pack. It uh, basically says whenever a non-token creature you control dies, you create a 2-2 black zombie uh, token. The flavor text says it was a night like any other. It would soon become a night no one would ever forget. And it shows a cemetery with uh, monsters, uh, zombies arising out of it. So here's my idea. The swamp has expanded into a cemetery. And uh, when it expanded into that cemetery, uh, you know, months later, all of a sudden it starts animating corpses in the cemetery. So instead of plants versus zombies, it's uh, plant zombies. That's what I say. Uh, why not? So the next card I picked out, there happened to be a zombie in the pack called Two-Headed Zombie. Wow, thunder. We never get thunder in San Diego. I don't know if you heard that or not, but I'm, I'm excited. I sort of just want to stop and enjoy the rain shower. Um, the the two-headed zombie, um, it's got flavor text that says, thread the torsos together with angel hair to ensure they will cooperate in battle. The Stitcher's Tome. So this is a line from a book about how to make zombies. What we have is a dude... Um, He's got a, a stitched line down the middle of his torso. He's got a sword in either hand, and he's got two heads. So this is going to be the leader of the zombies, and we're going to give him a flaw that he sometimes is of two minds, you know, kind of argues with himself, except when he's fighting. We'll just assume in battle that he's focused. All right, so then I picked three other cards out of here, and these cards are going to represent um, either NPCs or... Uh, maybe if the, if if you work with the players player characters, the first one is Dwarven Priest. Um, he's just a cool looking dwarf holding up a holy symbol, and there's light shining down on it. And his flavor text says, "These storied halls are under my protection." Yeah, badass, right? So um, that dwarf is uh, the bearer of righteous cleansing light, and he's going to be helpful in putting the zombies to rest. Uh, but I feel like his power is only going to deal with the symptoms of the problem. It's not going to get at the root of the problem as well. So he's there to kind of protect the town. 
the next one is Greenwood Sentinel, and we have a, a, a really cool-looking female elf here in her sylvan armor. Uh, she's an elf scout, and... Um, her uh, her ability is vigilance which is kind of cool um which means that she's just like she's both uh, good as an attacker and a blocker so we can just assume this is a very martial individual and the flavor text says within a mile of the woodland you will feel her eyes upon you within its borders you will feel her blade so uh this is an eco warrior this is an elf warrior who guards the land and i feel like this one could go either way she might be um, a fan, not a fan, but uh, a defender of the swamp as a natural force. Or she might be against the swamp as an unnatural force. I think it's probably more likely the latter, but it all depends on um, her reaction to the player characters as to how that goes. And the final NPC is a card called Salvager of Secrets. This is a blue card. It's a, mer a merfolk wizard, and we see a cool-looking... Um, uh, merfolk with long hair don't know if it's male or female don't know if it matters um and um let's just say she is swimming in front of these in, uh, uh barnacle encrusted gates that are obviously submerged and uh there's some coral around and uh she's consulting a tablet a stone tablet uh, that's got some markings on it and the flavor text says the greatest treasure of the deep is an echo from above and so i think that uh, this salvager, this merfolk wizard, has a has the book knowledge to end the cycle once and for all. There must be something cursed at the center of the swamp, or some uh, magical or uh, supernatural entity that's driving the expansion of the swamp. And if the characters really want to defeat it, they uh, would do well to seek out this merfolk wizard and uh, get knowledge from her. So there you go. That's a whole scenario built from one magic pack. Now we're going to talk about the second idea for using magic cards as creative inspiration. The second idea is to use a magic pack or just some common cards as a scroll. And so this is something you could hand players. They find a scroll maybe with six or seven spells on it. And you just hand them a little pack of cards and say, um, you know, the title of the card is the name of the spell. And the picture gives you a little bit of an idea of what's going to happen when you cast that spell. So you cast the spell and I'll tell you what the effects are. Uh, cool, right? So I um, had the generator give me a pack of Ultimate Masters cards, which I think is an expensive pack, but of course, since we're doing this online for free, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and um, I picked six cards. Did I pick six? Three? Yeah, I picked six cards out of that pack. Um, the first one is called Double Cleave. It's... Um, its flavor text is that if at first you don't succeed, hit them again. Not all that exciting. We've got a soldier with two blades, uh, but the blade that he's uh, pointing forward is like turning into lava. So it's got, it's sheathed in fire and it's got, uh, you know, it's glowing. So uh, what I think there is that the, the, I wrote the flaming blade laughs at your armor and does double damage. So, so I'm just going to, you know, give for a time for a combat, we'll give one of the blades like the ability to ignore armor, do double damage, and maybe even possibly set things on fire. Um, but it's going to be dangerous, right? It's a flaming blade. You don't want to hit a friend or anything like that. Um, it'll cause heat. It might set the wrong thing on fire, but could be super cool, right? All right, next one is called Desperate Ritual, and we see a, a weird-looking goblin standing on a rocky promontory, and then all around him there is fiery lava falling in a um, 
I guess what I'd call a lava lanch, you know, or a lava waterfall. And so I wrote, uh, bring on the lava lanch, but find some decent footing first. Uh, so this is going to be, uh, you know, it's a desperate ritual in the sense that it's extremely dangerous to summon this, but it's also super destructive. Uh, the next one uh, that I chose was a blue card called Defy Gravity, and we see a wizard standing on a cloud uh, floating high above the world. Uh, this card has flashback on it, which means that after you cast the spell, um, you can uh, cast it again from your graveyard, so you get two uses out of it. So what I like about this is... Um, I've, I've suggested that uh, that you fly there on a cloud, wherever there is, and then you return whenever you feel like it. In other words, you summon a cloud, it takes you someplace, and then when you're ready to leave that place, uh, you can resummon the, that same cloud, and it'll come get you and take you back. Uh, so you get two uses. It's a, a cloudy Uber, if you will. All right, next one is Sky Spear Cavalry. It's a white card. Um, the picture shows uh, a really cool soldier, um, kind of Greek looking soldier with a spear and she's riding on the back of a griffin. Uh, the flavor text here says, pray her spear reaches you first. Her griffin is less kind. Yeah, kind of cool. Um, okay. So this one, just a really cool martial card. Uh, I mean, it's just a good fighter, right? It's got flying and double strike, which doesn't mean anything to you. If you don't play magic, doesn't matter. Um, I just said, um, summon battle train Griffin mount, but only when there's a fight on, it attacks with you. So uh, the double strike means that basically you're striking and the Griffin is striking. You fight together. Um, you can summon this Griffin and fly on it, but you can't summon it unless war is at hand or there's a big battle. Otherwise, it might attack you or just disdain you and you know fly off, Okay. Next one, um, this one's just weird. I love the art on it. I didn't know quite what to do with it. It's called Ophel Snout. Um, it, and the picture is of this um, uh, part pig, part centipede, part slug, part like, I don't know, something else uh, creature, really ugly. Um, and it says, when Ophel Snout leaves the battlefield, exile target card from a graveyard. So I get the feeling that this thing eats the dead. Uh, so I just wrote down... Um, Summon grotesque centipede pig slug thing that eats undead. <laughs> so there you go. And then finally, there's a green card called Spider, Spider Umbra. And uh, you see um, a sorceress or druid, and she's inside this greenish ectoplasmic spider, which is cool. Um, this is a totem armor card, which means that... Um, when uh, when this creature takes damage, or when the enchanted creature, whoever casts this spell, takes damage, you shed the enchantment rather than doing damage to the creature itself. So here's what I wrote um, for this card. Clothe yourself in a phantasmal spider suit. For a time, you can climb walls, shoot phantasmal webs, move quickly, and get in a sting attack. It dissolves when you take damage, though. Hope you aren't on the ceiling. So I, I like this idea that uh, the minute it takes damage, it disappears. Super useful spell. Super useful, but also a little bit risky, right? So if you do uh, something too crazy with it or if you're relying on it too much, um, it might... Uh, disappear on you just at the wrong time. So there you go, a scroll from a magic pack. What a cool idea, right? Um, the next time you're at a card shop or a game shop and they're playing Magic the Gathering, especially at a pre-release, watch those pre-releases and kind of swoop in afterwards. People leave all their commons lying around. You can just go from table to table. Um, you know, ask them, say, hey, do you mind if I take these? They won't, trust me. Um, you can even ask people even, it's like, hey, do you have any commons, extra commons? I collect them um, and just grab them all up, you know? Um, I'll, I will say one third idea that I have seen recently for using old magic cards. 
and that is to make tokens out of them. I have ordered uh, a hole punch for myself that does a one and a half inch uh, a hole, and um, I've got a bunch of old magic cards, and I've got some wooden discs that are one and a half inch wooden discs. I think I got like a hundred for five bucks or something like that, and some tacky glue. And uh, boy, I can't remember who put this idea online. Um, I'll try to put in the show notes though, because it was a post on MeWe or on, it was actually on Google plus, um, which isn't that dead yet. I think it is. Uh, and I echoed it over on me. We could just, I thought it was cool. Uh, but anyway, it's a great way to make tokens, right? Uh, pogs, if you will, of creatures for your game table, uh, super cheaply, right? Just don't cut up any expensive cards. Or if you do, uh, cut up an expensive card, make sure you take it into the card shop and flash it around to make everybody sick that you cut up a super expensive magic card. <laughs> Get some fun out of it if you're gonna if you're gonna blow like five bucks by cutting up an expensive magic card. <laughs> um, it, really, they should be happy about it because it just makes all their cards that much more valuable, right? Right. All right. Cool. Magic the Gathering. Get some use out of it. Um, all those uh, dead trees that go into making those cards, you know, they end up in, in the in the trash bin. You know, rescue them. Do something cool with them. Use them in your next role playing game. All right. Sadly, the rain stopped sometime when I was podcasting. That means this podcast is over. I'm Ray Otis signing off, and this has been another Plundergrounds. You can find links to all my stuff at www.rayotus.com. That's R-A-Y-O-T-U-S. And I go um, by the same name on my Google Mail account, so rayotis at gmail.com. The opening theme music is by my buddy, Logan Howard, who does a really cool zine and podcast, both called Swordbreaker. Two words, Swordbreaker. And until next time... Look out for those rust monsters. Hey, guess what? Bonus material. I had to leave work early today for an occupational therapy appointment, and on my way home, was passing the game shop. Couldn't help myself, so I stopped and got a booster of magic cards. And here it is. I'm going to open it up and and do another one of these... uh, We'll do both a quick scenario and a quick scroll out of this pack, all right? All right, there goes the wrapper. Um, The token's kind of cool, actually. The token's kind of a junk card that you get at the back that um, uh, is using gameplay sometimes. But this one has a pretty cool city in it, so we're going to set that aside. We might actually use that. All right. Uh, I got a blue card called Crashing Tide. That's a spell. Stampeding Horncrest. Uh, This one's a cool Triceratops-looking dinosaur uh, running around a step pyramid. By the way, this is Rivals of Ixalan, so it has kind of an Aztec slash Pirates kind of feel to it. Um, Here's a human soldier called a Sun Sentinel. Kind of cleric-looking, but lots of... uh, very colorful. Oh my gosh, there's a real bad error in perspective shift on this one with the staff that she's holding. Um, I don't know if I can use that one just because of that. (laughs) Uh, Here's a cool elf wielding two blades, very colorful. Oh, it's a merfolk warrior, it's not an elf. Um, But could probably, probably could work as an elf. Uh, Ooh, this one's cool. This one we're going to set aside. Uh, This is a pirate looking dude, um, bare chested, it's got some... I don't know, armor on, got a cool looking crossbow, and he's called Dinosaur Hunter, human pirate. Uh, here's his flavor text is I, the foul beast, chomped me, but I got away. You'd best believe when I find it again, it won't get away so easy. There, to put on my pirate voice for you. Uh, gruesome fate, dude down in a, underneath a grate in a, uh, 
you know, like a hold of a deck or something like that, a ship's deck. All right, I'm setting aside, so far, the Dinosaur Hunter and the Stampeding Horn Crest. Uh, they seem to go together. Uh, this was called Exultant Sky Marcher, a vampire soldier that flies in white. That seems weird. Um, yeah, maybe. Okay, uh, Shatter. This is a, a ship that's getting blasted apart. That might be a good one. Uh, Tylenoli's Crown. Uh, this is another... This is another dinosaur that kind of looks like a Triceratops, but in, this one has glowing uh, horns of fire, like like lava horns. So cool, but I don't know. That might be a better one for the spell deck. All right, uh, we'll, we'll keep it to the side here. All right, Deadeye, Rig Hauler, uh, Pirate, uh, meh. Okay, Pitiless Plunderer. This is another pirate. Uh, he's... he's uh, Taking gold off a dead guy and then looks like maybe eating his rations too. Uh, yeah, his slaver text is shame to let good gold go to the grave. So we'll keep him. Uh, Dire Fleet Neckbreaker. This is an orc pirate. Hmm, interesting. Uh, pirate leader. He just kind of pumps other pirates. Good looking though. Uh, aquatic Incursion. All right, I like this one. There's some merfolk and they're mostly submerged in the water and they've got spears sticking up. Um, and yeah, so that one's cool. Silverclad Ferocidons. Uh, more dinosaurs. These are more like uh, Velociraptors, but they've got armor. They look like they would pull a chariot or something. Uh, the flavor text says, Control them? No, I gird them in armor and let them loose. Yaka, Otepic Huntmaster. Okay. And then we've got an island. All right. Shift back through these. I'm going to pick five to work with. Uh, I'm take the, this pirate. Aquatic Incursion, the Ferocidons. All right, so we got two dinosaurs, two pirates, merfolk, and let's see. Yeah, there is a ship. We'll just we'll keep the ship too. All right, all right. Here's my pack. Um, six cards, uh, two dinosaurs, uh, the the Triceratops looking one, and the um, the uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Velociraptor looking ones. They're kind of big looking Velociraptors, more like Carnotaurs or something. Um, we're going to say this is a Aztec, Aztecian inspired land um, in a jungle, hot and steamy jungle. They have dinosaurs. They use the dinosaurs as uh, labor. And so this Triceratops that's running away from the pyramids, he was being used to haul big stones for the pyramids and he got loose and is rampaging. Um, and so that might be an event that would be cool in the scenario just to kind of set the scene a little bit. These um, these Velociraptors, I stick by this idea that they look like they could pull a chariot. So we're going to add a little bit of a Roman element. Um, although the Aztecs were big into games, but this is their game. They're going to uh, have... What am I? Am I creating? Um, recreating that Wizards of the Coast setting? What is it? Um, Tomb of Annihilation or something like that? Yeah, we'll just. I'll pretend I'm not doing that. I'll try to shift it hard here. Uh, so, yeah, I will say they pulled chariots, and that's a chariot race. Uh, and then we've got um, these uh, pirates. So this is going to be. Uh, if you ever watch Black Sails, I really like that show. So we're going to assume that this is also kind of a pirate haven. Um, and we've got these, uh, this dinosaur hunter who goes out and, uh, he's a major, uh, character, um, you know, an NPC. He goes out and hunts dinosaurs for the labor pile. We've got this pitiless plunderer who's the captain of a ship, uh, but his ship sunk. That's what this other card is. Um, his ship, the, um, 
the uh, the trident, let's say, um, it it sunk because it's got three three masts here. Uh, it sunk, and so now he's looking for a new ride, um, and he's scrounging around, and he's kind of merciless. He'll take anything off of anybody. Uh, can't be trusted, uh, and yet he's very smart and um, could be a good ally as long as you watch your back. All right. Uh, and then uh, this aquatic incursion, unbeknownst to everyone, the merfolk are planning an attack through the subterranean, like sea caves, um, and uh, they have the trouble's been brewing for a while. So these uh, tritons or sea folk or merfolk or whatever they are, uh, they they are just about to launch an attack. All right, so we've got kind of a setting here, more than a story. Um, I feel like the hook might be that the characters could go on a dinosaur hunt or they could get wrapped up in, uh, maybe they need to escape this city. So they're, uh, maybe they know that the merfolk are rising and they know there's about to be trouble. So they're trying to get away from the city and they have to team up with this pirate who lost his ship, uh, to get a new ride. Maybe, uh, they pool their money together and invest in a ship and, uh, try to get rich shipping things or something like that. So there's, there we go. There's, um, there's my scenario. Now let's do a spell. I'm going to go back, throw everything back together, try to use different ones. I'm going to pull out that dinosaur with the glowing horns. What else? This crashing tide looks like a spell. Um, might be able to use that gruesome fate. I don't know. Not much else here looks like a spell. The shatter, the one that uh, it bombs the ship isn't interesting. It just looks like a big fireball. It could easily be a spell, though, so we're just going to count it and say it's a big fireball, so done on that one. Um, gruesome Fate is some kind of summoned cage that you can put around a creature. Uh, let's see. You were Here's the flavor text. You were keen enough to sink your fangs into us, vampire, and now you're afraid of a few little nibbles? Oudville Ratty Ratlock is the guy's name. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, it, it, maybe it's a cage, magical cage, that can hold super powerful creatures, at least for a while. Um, let's check the text on that shatter. It says, Today it's a miracle of architecture, a marvel of stained glass, a symbol of the Legion's power. Tomorrow, driftwood. Yeah, cool text, but doesn't really help. Um, the crashing tide card shows a priestess or priest standing on a wall, and there's like a tidal wave coming in. Um, and it says it has flash as long as you control a merfolk, return target creature to its owner's hands, draw a card. So uh, this is just going to be... This is going to be a merfolk spell, um, and they want this spell back. This was on a scroll that they want to get back. This was a scroll they were preparing for war, um, and so that's that's going to be part of this uh, theme that we were working on. The crashing tide uh, is going to help them make their frontal assault by you know flooding the city. The shatter is an explosive thing to maybe break a gate or get into this get into uh, the palace. The gruesome fate is for uh, powerful sorcerers. It's a cage that they can put around, kind of an anti magic cage or an anti-ability cage they can put around things. Um, the glowing horns, how does that come into play? That feels a little random compared to the other things I was thinking about here. Mm. Let me get some inspiration from the card. It gives creatures trample. Um, I'm going to pretend this dinosaur isn't on the card. <laughs> 
no, I can't do that. All right. Um, I was going to say it might be sea creatures with like glowing things, but, uh, okay. I, I know what it is. It's a mind control spell, uh, that they're going to use on the dinosaurs to make the dinosaurs go, uh, rampant. And they'll do that right before they ha- attack to cause distraction and chaos. So this spell, this four spell scroll, the scroll, I should say with, with four spells on it, um, is an artifact in this campaign and, uh, the players have to find it and destroy it. Uh, or use it against the merfolk before the merfolk do their uprising. Um, and the mer- merfolk are hunting them to get it back. So there you go. A uh, quick scenario plus a scroll that goes into that scenario, all from one 15-card pack of magic cards. Now, that cost me four bucks, but I kind of feel like it was worth it, don't you? Um, I also have some magic cards now. I don't know you know, what I'm going to do with them, but um, maybe I'll make some tokens out of them now that I've uh, built a scenario or just keep them around for fun or, or throw them into uh, our cube or whatever. But yeah, there you go. Some bonus content for you.